Hey guys, welcome to the Vagabond Diaries. Today is October 7th. Today we're going to be sharing a story. And it is not for the faint of heart. It is very personal to me. Parts tragedy, parts comedy, all of it real, 100%. This is my story. And I hope with it, there are some listening that can better understand better comprehend why it is that I am the way that I am and why I do the things that I do and why all of it matters, all of it is important. So please kick back, relax, and enjoy. What is normal? That question seems to be asked a lot, especially with people that feel like they aren't normal. So what is it? Well, there's two answers, friend. Neither one of them you may like. Most of us. And I mean most of us because there are some out there that are well outside the social norm. But social normalcy is like any other bell curve. In the middle, there's a line attached to the top of the curve, moving horizontally down to another line, a vertical line, the x-axis, what we use to measure. Then there are two more lines where the curve is starts to become bigger and when the curve starts to become smaller and those are standard deviations. Most people will either be very close or on the middle line, the central tendency, or in between the central tendency and the minus one to the left and the central tendency to the right. Most people regardless of how close they are to any of those three lines, still be considered normal. There's only a few true non-normal people in this world. And it's it's not just a feeling that you have. It's not just something that you wake up one day and You give it some thought and you say to yourself, Hey, you know what? I don't feel like I fit in. Even even your fringe groups, like those with tattoos on their faces, those who dress up in furry animal suits and 
take on a whole new persona. Those that are trans or non-binary. Those that are gay or lesbian or bisexual. You have like-minded people. Unfortunately, I am a person that doesn't really have a group to belong to. Unfortunately, there are a couple huge hindrances in my life that I've always had to deal with that keep me from being anywhere close to normalcy. And it's not something that I chose to accept. It's not something that I, I choose for myself. It's not how this works. No. Instead, the labels that I've been given thrust upon me by good actors and bad actors alike tend to to sway those people from anywhere in between those three lines to engage or to socialize with me. Now, as I said, this story isn't for the faint of heart. And so, Consider this a trigger warning if you have problems with post-traumatic stress, with rape and sexual abuse related traumas, with family abuse trauma. With thoughts of suicide, depression, suicide, suicidal tendencies, ideation, or any of those things, I would suggest that you take your own discretion. Perhaps take breaks, or don't listen at all. Because this story is one of heartache, one of torture and abuse both physical, sexual, and emotional. Prepare yourselves, friends, because once you listen to this, there's no coming back. So the other answer to the question, what is normal? some people the adaptation to their new surroundings
in a way to deal with them. In sort of a passive-aggressive sense. My normal... was... and still is... the... indescribable feeling that you are never enough. That you will never feel even the most basic concept of love. That you are less than. That you were other, alien to those around you, foreign, your thoughts, your concepts, your mindsets. That indescribable dread of even just meeting someone new because you might get your hopes up. So you just walk around in this haze of cynicism because if you never get your hopes up and if you're always disappointed then you're not disappointed when you get disappointed normalcy is constantly fearing physical violence abuse some kind of sexual trauma, both whether it's well-intentioned or not. Because sometimes even the most well-intentions of touches seem wrong, out of place, inappropriate. Because you just don't know how to handle it. So what is love to someone like that, to someone who constantly thinks these things and feels these things? Because that is their reality. This is my reality. So what is it? What is, no what is love? What is normal love for me? It's getting hit when I talk out of turn, when I pipe up and speak my mind. It's getting threatened with violence. Because I dared to dissent. It's being forced to have sex even though I don't want to. And don't get me wrong, sex can feel good. Sex can feel amazing when it's done properly and when the time is right, but I don't. I don't feel that way most of the time. When it happens, I feel like it's obligated. Love is making me feel broken by listening to others tell me that they love me, but watching them carry out normal lives with normal wives and girlfriends and getting married and settling in and having those 2.3 kids the white picket fence the dog in the front yard 
playing fetch. Two cars in the driveway. Or even on some of the more extreme cases. Like two people I considered my nearest and dearest friends. You know, broke college students not having a lot, but still having each other. Making those sacrifices and taking those, those in stride because no matter what, they still love each other. They still have each other. They still have that. Love is loss. It's every person that you come into contact with feeling like they're doing you a service by walking away, by distancing themselves because they just can't keep up. They can't keep up with conversation because you're always thinking of creative and new ways to do things, to help people, to hurt people, to make life progress. Love is having friends that call you names that they feel are just witty banter, just terms of endearment towards someone that they do care about, but to you, they cut like knives, deep into flesh. Visible are your the sinews, the, the, the tendons, the bone, the meat. And then, just when the pain is almost unbearable, salt poured into the wound. Names like mass murderer or school shooter, mad scientist. When you feel, when you dare yourself to be raw and vulnerable and emotional, that's when people step on you the most, so you never do it. You never allow yourself to process the pain because when you do, people tell you things like, oh, well, you just need to suck it up, and that's life, kid. Maybe you should see a counselor. Maybe you should talk to someone. Maybe you should find a therapist. But when it's so hard and seems so off-putting to approach a trusted friend with these things, how would someone expect you to approach this total stranger. When you stim back and forth because the stress, the anxiety is so unbearable, you're looked at like you're strange. Like you don't belong here. This space is just as much mine as it is anybody else's, so why, why is it that? Why does it have to be that way? Why does love hurt? 
in the dic- in the dictionary, I looked it up in the Merriam-Webster dictionary. Love is the opposite of hurt. But yet you have songs like Nazareth, love hurts. And I suppose it could, but it's not supposed to feel like that all the time. No one is obligated to love a certain way. You love your own way. And if people can't connect with you on that level or can't understand why you're loving them that way, then let that be a discussion. Let that be let that be a conversation. But never push somebody away because they choose to love differently. Not because they want to, but because maybe that's the only way that they can express how they truly feel. When I love someone, it's all or nothing. It's 100% commitment and devotion and in terms of affection and endearment and pet names and all the the honey, sweetie, baby, kitten, princess, romancy type stuff you see in the movies. And it's never like that in real life. It's never like the movies in real life. It's always different. Not because it's tangible. No, friends. It's because you are your most raw self. You are no longer a standing skeleton. You are a puddle. Not of not of goo or, or water or something that completely immalleable can be formed only with the most rigid of structures like a glass but like clay and whatever you get formed into by the hands of which you trust it's totally out of your control and when they do push you away because of some made up stupid reason such as well your intelligence is just too high or I, I feel dwarfed by your goals and your life choices and I I could just, I could never keep up with you. It's a cop-out. It is at the most internalized fundamental ableism. Because it's not just about you being intelligent. It's not just about you feeling too much. It's not just about not knowing how to turn the waterworks on and off. And sometimes it just happens. And you're not, you're not even understanding why it is that you're crying. You just are. It's because they can't fix you. They feel obligated to fix you, and they cannot fix you. Not because you are, not because you are not broken, but because you are beyond repair. You are a totaled vehicle. You're a write-off. So perpetually, if you can't be fixed, then you attract other broken things. Like a junked car at a junkyard, you just random trash starts being 
cluttered inside of you, you feel things to other broken people, and then you try to fix them. And of course, they can't be fixed. So it's this perpetual cycle of trying to find somebody who wants to help you, but then getting your heart broken because you can't be helped, and then finding someone who's just as broken as you, who can understand you, but then not being able to help them when they feel like you did. It's this constant cycle of heartbreak and build-up and heartbreak and build-up and heartbreak and build-up and you can't get out of it because there is no treatment. There's no cure. There's talk therapy and there's medications to make the thoughts of dying go away, but there's never a talk therapy or medication to make you think differently. Those thoughts are always going to be there. Those irrational fears are always going to be there. Though even the rational fears will always be there, regardless of how much you talk about it. The pain never goes away completely. You can change your mindset with talk therapy, and medications can help dull some of those sharper moments where compulsion takes over and you cut, or you sink Where you start ever so slowly bringing that pistol to bear inside of your mouth, the gums and your teeth slowly clenching down over its barrel. You can feel. And you can touch. And you can taste. And so you are alive, because that's how we define life. It's sentient. But how alive are you really if you can't feel the most basic and, and important of human emotions, love? Is that you are so dead inside that the, all the things that I mentioned before, the talk therapies and the psychotropics and all those things, don't help that you have allowed yourself to become so broken that you might as well restart. Your body is potmarked with scars and those scars bring both emotional trauma and physical trauma because that's just how it was and while it's happening to you that you start to rationalize it differently you start to accept the abuse and the abusers because this is just how they show they love me this is just how they show they care and of course later you finally do wake up and you realize that that's not the case and that love isn't supposed to be like that. Love isn't supposed to hurt and maim. And people don't hurt and maim out of love. 
but when we finally do get away... We get sent to places that are devoid of love for rehabilitation. But rehabilitation from what? From the abuse? Or from ourselves? Of course, it's not always so bad. Like, maybe in this hypothetical but true story, there's one or two, maybe three people in your life that you dared to love, that loved you back even though it was a brief moment, fleeting, but left good taste on your tongue. Like, the girl from all the way back when you were a child loved you for who you were and played with you and talked to you about ambitions and dreams maybe she's still around and maybe you still feel the same way about her she about you Sometimes you both flirt with the idea of trying to be together as adults, but maybe she has her own things that she's dealing with, and maybe you yours, and it just never really seems to click. Or the one that life got in the way. The high school sweetheart type scenario one that you still maybe have some some semblance of feelings for but it's basically over you maybe are friends you maybe are not it all depends on the day and then the one that as an adult after all the drama and turmoil after you ran away and were able to seek shelter, find some solace, build yourself a little slice of heaven in this godforsaken desolate planet, just randomly popped into your life, and though it was brief, you, you cared, and you cared enough to love, and she loved you back, but... Maybe something scared her off. Maybe it was your intelligence and your thoughts and ideas being too big and too wordy. Maybe it was just that she thought she was ready and couldn't handle it. Either way, there's distance. and Despite her constantly telling you that she wants to be your friend, that she still cares and she still loves you, you feel... As though your heart was stomped out. Cut out of your body and just smashed. With no regard or remorse. But you allow her to stay because 
a life completely void of her is, well, no life worth living. So it's not always so bad. And despite how bleak things may be, there is still reason for hope. episode you guys um, please turn into the next one where I'll be talking about another topic um, the next one will centralize around um, my experiences with treatment um, diagnoses and things like that so please tune in I appreciate everyone that does listen and happens by and after the next episode, I think we'll go back to our our normal our normal uh, topics of discussion. Just for now, these things have been weighing heavy on me, and I appreciate having the platform in order to uh, express myself. And I, I I thank you guys. And just to be clear, like I am I am safe. I am safe, and I am being safe. There's no <laughs> there's no reason to worry. It's still, it's still an emotional, still an emotional thing. Don't get me wrong, but I, I am safe, and I am being safe, and I am okay. Thank you for listening to the Vagabond Diaries. My name is Joseph Thompson, and you have yourself 